Today, we're going to talk about how to create post-pandemic work agreements that benefit both employers and employees. Many organizations are still struggling to optimize their world at work. Is hybrid here to stay? What's the ideal number of days in the office? Do we need any days in the office to maintain healthy productivity and corporate culture? To navigate the growing pains of balancing the best of face-to-face collaboration with the autonomy of working from home, we've called in Amy Cosgrove, Vice President of People North America at Sage. Welcome to the Voices of HR podcast presented by HR Morning. I'm your host, Berta Aldrich, outperformance coach and author of Winning the Talent Show. Each week, I have candid conversations with HR practitioners, thought leaders, and C-suite executives to tease out what works and what doesn't in human resources, people strategy, corporate culture, and more. Amy Cosgrove has been in the human resources field for more than 25 years, primarily in the technology industry. Her strength lies in partnering with senior business leaders to drive the right talent strategies to achieve desired business outcomes. She is passionate about leading high-performing teams for high-growth companies. Amy lives in Atlanta, Georgia, which is the North American headquarters for Sage. Amy, welcome to Voices of HR. Thank you. I'm happy to be here today. This is such an incredible topic because it's one that no one has really cracked the nut on. So we are looking so forward to your expertise and your insight and how this all kind of unfolded at Sage and what you found was really the best of a hybrid work environment. But to get us started, so we're we're really stuck in this perpetual conversation and really debate, I would say, around this shift in the workplace. So as companies consider both the pros and cons, what should be their top two considerations? No, that's a great question. Uh, and, you know, we've all seen companies choosing to go different directions, some, um, some encouraging um, colleagues to continue to be as flexible as they want to be and others who are taking a very different stance and saying we want all of our colleagues back into the offices um, really as we were pre-pandemic. Um, I think that the, that the, the most important um, the most important decision factors um, for uh, companies are around what will make the company the most productive, what will make colleagues the most productive. And I think that that's dependent on both the company and the culture, um, whether or not colleagues need collaboration or whether they need more focused time. And I think a lot of companies have done exactly what we've done, which is to say, we need both. Um, we need colleagues to come back into the office to collaborate together and really get that um, that productivity from being face to face with each other to promote um, creativity, innovation. But we also found during the last three years uh, that uh, focus time um, also has a uh, an advantage of productivity. Mm. So what we've found at Sage is that both is important. And so we launched flexible human work, which really um, strives to allow for both uh, for our colleagues and for our teams. Um, and it's, and it's working very well to, to your point. We ha- I don't think anyone has cracked the nut and we're still optimizing it. We're still perfecting it. 
Um, but, um, but I think the flexibility of having both that focused time individually and the collaborative time together face-to-face is really where we're going to continue to, to focus our energies. So do you, I guess, stepping back, because we're going to talk a lot about that. I have so many questions that just popped in my head. Um, But are hybrid work schedules here to stay? And if so, why or why not? Because on one side, you hear a lot of CEOs really mandating return to, to the office. And, you know, I mean, there are practical reasons for that, right? They have a significant real estate portfolio. Um, they're, they're paying for, for, you know, the brick and mortar for people to be there. But on a more simplistic side, people also need collaboration. They need collaboration and to sit next to someone for all the reasons that you just mentioned. And so there are benefits um, to returning to the office for employees, so where where do you stand? Do you think hybrid is here to stay? I mean, there's there's purely pros and cons to it. Sure, uh, I do. Uh, I, I absolutely think it's here to stay, and I, I think it's here to stay because again, we can we can leverage the advantages of both. Uh, we can mm-hmm. leverage the advantages of both that in person collaboration, like you said, that's so important for people to be like productive in a team, um, but. Also, um, there are significant advantages to the flexibility of being able to work remotely. Some of that is personal, right? Some of that is that we all got the advantage. If you live in a a town like Atlanta, um, it's likely that you have a commute. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you've had that found time again. Now, a lot of us spent it just adding hours to our workday, mm-hmm. um, but but we we were also able to um, unlock some other opportunities to to make use of what felt like to me very unproductive time. Yes, I listened to books and podcasts and right. music, and sometimes I just decompressed in a commute. But I, I got a lot out of not being in my car a couple of mm-hmm. hours a day. Uh, so. There's a personal, um, a personal positive impact for a lot of us in in the days that we work remotely. Whether that's you can, you know, you found an hour that you can work out or um, spend with your kids or your pets or however you wanted to spend it. Um, and I think a lot of us are appreciative of that and don't really want to give that up. But the second advantage is or a second advantage, there are probably lots of them, but another advantage is that it, it, is, it can be really focused time too. Mm-hmm. And um, if you are in a global organization uh, and, you're, and you are already on calls anyway um, all day, well, you can, you can do those now um, from the, the quiet, if your home is quiet, from mm-hmm. the quiet of whatever workspace you have. Um, as opposed to sitting in an office um, and and uh, being on a call with wherever um, that wasn't in the office, uh, so mm-hmm. I think there are there are real personal and uh, professional advantages to being able to be hybrid. Is you can focus the work that you do on those remote days in a very different way. You can, you can, and you know when I hear you talk, it's like yes, all of those things. I think 
it'd make people happier. And I think they continue to make people's lives better and more fulfilled um, because they are spending less time doing things that they don't like and more time, you know, with their family, with their pets, with their friends. Um, but I also, you know, I did a post last week on LinkedIn. Um, I do little, little stories. And the outcome of that was, yes, I think we're all questioning what's the right balance, right? Is it timely off hybrid? Um, but to me, there's this bigger issue around happiness. And if I'm so much happier outside the office, then I think executives and leaders need to step back and say, why? Not just because they're doing more of what they like to do, but maybe it's because they're doing more of what they didn't like to do, which is the unproductive activities within the office. And sometimes that is, you know, working with with people or leaders or whatever that maybe cause you a little bit more angst or, or decrease in productivity. But so so thinking about that, can you take us through your experience? Because shortly after you started at Sage in 2020, most workers were sent home by government order. And there were some roles at your company, though, that could not be performed on site. Step by step, how did you handle the disruptions to the business as usual? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right, my timing was um, my timing was a little bit surreal. I, I actually joined Sage on March 2nd, 2020. I think my second meeting um, was about how to get our colleagues home. And wow. we um, we have uh, so so Sage Software. We you know we um, provide uh, uh, financial and accounting and um, office software to small and medium sized businesses. Mm. And so we have a number of um, sales and service colleagues in in all of our regions, but I, I'm in North America. And a lot of our sales and service folks conduct their um, their their jobs over the phone. And in particular in sales, a number of our sales folks actually um, were on secure workstations in our offices. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- they were uh, unable to do their jobs from home. I mean, they've mm-hmm. Our workstations were secure in our office environment and our sales folks came in and they, they um, did their work and then they went home. And, uh, and, and um, so when everything happened, our IT department was um, phenomenal um, in working uh, collectively globally on solutions that would allow us to continue uh, to to, to manage those um, transactions in a secure way, but remotely. Uh, and, mm. and, and they were able to do it remarkably in about a three-week time frame. We were able to get 100% of our colleagues um, productive and working mm. securely and effectively from their home environments. Um, now, I, I mean, I, I know we probably all think back to March 2020, March and April, those first few weeks. And I remember thinking, I wonder how long this is going to last. I remember weeks, thinking, four weeks. I was, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I did too. It's like, this isn't going to last very long. We'll all be back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it didn't work that way, did it? No, no, not at all. <laughs> and I think, you know, in, in, the, in the first 
few weeks, we all sort of were sort of just temporarily, okay, we've got this. This is like if we were sort of working on vacation, fine, yes. we, can, we can do this. And then when it sort of settled into, um, when it sort of settled into, this is going to last a lot longer than we imagined, it, it was a little more difficult. And, and that's when, to your question around happiness, I think that becomes a really very personal and very specific a specific set of circumstances for every individual. Mm-hmm. And we had, you know, a lot of, of folks who weren't just dealing with their, with how to work from home. They were also dealing with, well, I'm not just trying to work from home. Now my kids are at home because they can't mm-hmm. go to school and, mm-hmm. um, and both of us work. Um, so now we've got two people working and you know, some people had home setups that allowed for all of that to happen without too much disruption. We had plenty of colleagues who did not have home environments that allowed for, you know, that kind of, so it was stressful for a lot of our, Absolutely. of our colleagues. Um, and I think we all, we all learned to navigate our way through it and figure out um, the right, the right, approaches. I know we had a lot of colleagues who um, would flex when they worked, you know, and they, mm. they might start earlier in the, in the day and finish earlier in the day and their spouse might start a little bit later and finish later. And you know, everybody kind of worked out what, um, what was necessary to, to work. We had some colleagues who asked if they could come back into the office because their home environments were not we're not um, we're not conducive to uh, them being able to to feel to feel productive and to feel effective and to and to get their jobs done well. So there's a lot of individual circumstances. I think a lot of people had to work out how you know they could continue to feel successful um, and productive in their in their roles. But I think for the most part, we we figured that out um, mm-hmm. and. And it was because we didn't have a choice is because we still, you know, nobody could go back into the offices. I think it was really hard for everyone because, you know, we also, it's hard to remember this now, but we weren't going to restaurants and we weren't right doing anything. We were stuck. So did you allow those people who requested to go back into the office? Did you create a work environment where they were the six feet apart? And I know that there were different states that had different... Right. Um, requirements to bring people back into the office. Was that an option for people? Right. So, so in some instances we were able to do that and others we weren't, it kind of depended on our real estate, um, Mm. our real estate um, options and whether the building we were in would Mm -hmm. allow for that. We, you know, we had our IT department who, who pretty much stayed in the office um, the whole time. Yes. With the, with the right, um, with the right parameters around the CDC um, recommendations mm-hmm. at the time. But then when we started, when, when states, certain states and certain locations started relaxing the standards, you know, mm-hmm. we did, we did the same things. I think that a lot of companies did. We established um, capacity thresholds and saying, we're, you know, if our, if our office holds 350 people, we're only going to allow a hundred and, you know, 10 to come back, um, right, right away, because that's all. And so we would, you know, work out what the capacity was and who could come in and maybe stagger the days. And, 
Um, and so, you know, I, I think a lot of companies approached it that way. And we approached, you know, what, what roles were most critical to get in, um, to get in first, which teams needed to work together um, most closely um, and in person and which roles could continue to be productive, you know, remotely um, at higher levels if we, you know, if we were to stage that out. So, you know, we've done that over the last couple of years, but even today, you know, we still have flexible human work and our, and our, our, uh, our teams have team agreements. Um, each leader, you know, has determined the, the, um, the ideal um, number of days in the office uh, for teams. And we try to have, we have, for instance, together Tuesdays where you know, we all try to be in the office on Tuesdays because what you don't want is to go back to the office and nobody else is there. Yeah. So let me, let me take, let me have you step back just for a mm-hmm. second. So you had talked before and, and you just mentioned again, this flexible human work arrangement. So that's kind of what you're, is that what you're calling yeah. your return to work? So kind of your post-pandemic work relationship or agreements that you right. have. So can you explain to us a little bit about what that is, how that came to be, and then now what do teams look like? You give us a little bit of a hint, but how yeah. do they look differently than they did before yeah. the pandemic? Sure, absolutely. So when we really started thinking about, okay, you know, coming back in full force and what that would look like, not just you know, we can bring a third of folks in on certain days. But when we said, okay, you know, ultimately we're, we're going to be, we're going to be back. What's that going to look like? Because mm-hmm. we do believe that hybrid is here to stay and we want our colleagues and our teams to continue to have flexibility. Um, and so we launched globally what we refer to as flexible human work. And it, and it really allows for flexibility in a, in a couple of different ways. Um, and, and the first is flexibility of time. And, you know, having um, the having the flexibility to um, to come in two to three days a week, depending on what what your team is like um, and what your leader believes is productive for that team. Now, some of our some of our teams want to be in five days a week and some of our Mm. teams want to be in certain periods of the month. So they might want to be in the last the last week of the month or the first week of the month and then and then remote for the in-between months if that's when they're productive. Now the, my payroll team, you know, wants to be mm-hmm. in together to to um you know to deliver on payroll and to process payroll together, but then they might be off for the next, not off, but remote for the next week. Um, so but oh, most of our teams, that flexibility of time means they're gonna come in two to three days a week. Um, they're they're going to decide at least one of those days they're all going to be in on the same day so that they can actually have okay. face-to-face meetings. Um, they can have face-to-face uh, you know team team events um, and and really um, take advantage of uh, the the in-person collaboration that we all know um, exists. So did you, so uh, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. I have to ask this question. Did you then, as the CHRO, the head of, of people of North America, did you, I suspect you worked with your colleagues ac- across the globe and set these parameters that then you went, you gave to your leaders and said, yeah. 
here's what we think is the best Mm -hmm. flexible arrangement, but you go figure it out. You go figure out what's best for your team and best for each individual. Yeah. So best for the team um, was, was definite. um, And that was really around the team agreements. And then the, the best for the individual part comes from the rest of the flexibility. So for instance, my team, okay. you know, we've said we want to be in three days a week. One of those is Tuesdays. That means that if you're on my team, your other two days can be whichever of the other two days is, is best for you and your, and your, um, your situation that might now for a lot of people is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, but there were some people who really wanted to, you know, to come in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There are other people who really um, feel differently about that. But as a team, we said Tuesdays. Um, and then there were two other days that was up to was up to each person of when that was when that was best. Now, what I suspect that there, I mean, as large as sages, that you had to have had some individuals who said, I don't want to come in at all. Yeah. I want to stay home all five days. Was that an option or how, how did you process that? Yeah. So um, the, the, the basic answer is no, it's not really an option. How, however, there's always, mm. there's always a bit of a, um, a caveat. So, yeah. um, so we really believe as a company um, that uh, we will be more productive and effective for our customers and our colleagues Mm -hmm. Uh, in our communities, if we are collaborating together in person in our, Mm -hmm. in our offices um, under this flexibility for sure. But we, we believe in the power of teams and in, and in, Mm -hmm. in the productivity of being face-to-face. We also believe that people can be highly productive if they, if they have additional focus time. So we, we really do want people to come in um, not five days a week, uh, mm-hmm. probably never again, five days a week. Yeah. Uh, but we want them to be in and to be part of the of the SAGE team in person. Now, the caveat that I mentioned is, um, and this would have been true before, before COVID, you know, there are there are times when there are accommodations that that need to be made um, mm-hmm. for certain instances. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure Every company has been in the same um, situation where we've had, you know, some special circumstances of of people who are at higher risk um, yes. or have special um, special circumstances that re- that right. did require us to um, make certain accommodations. I mean, on, you know, the the ADA is um, mm-hmm. has, is helping with this and helping mm-hmm. establish those. Um, those right. Um, so there's there's legal boundaries too mm-hmm. that sure. you had to absolutely take into account. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was another great thing that we did with our flexible human work, which I think a lot of our of a lot of our colleagues have started to take advantage of. So, you know, I said there were there were kind of several components to our flexible human work. Another one was work away. So you probably heard of you know friends or whoever, like if I can't work from the office, I might as well work from the mountains or the beach or. <laughs> Or mm-hmm. wherever um, during yes, yeah, some pandemic. people sold their homes, some people right. sold their cars, yeah, right. Just and just you know, yeah, went went someplace that um, that they felt uh, they felt a little more at peace um, during that. So we also developed a work away uh, part of our um, of our protocol for flexible human work, and we now allow colleagues to work away. Um, 
up to 10 weeks a year, uh, up to wow. 10 weeks in a rolling 12 months. Um, and, you know, we have, um, we have guidelines for that because, mm-hmm. um, because international tax uh, law means that we, ha- you know, we can't do that everywhere. Um, but we, we make it kind of easy for our colleagues to say, I live and work here. I want to live and work here for two weeks or three mm-hmm. weeks or four weeks. And, and you can go in and, and, and craft this, just like if you were going to ask for vacation time from your leader and it takes you through a whole series of questions. And, um, and some of our colleagues work, you know, from uh, the mountains or from, you know, from London or from wherever they would like to for a few weeks, which is, which was particularly helpful for, for people who wanted to take care of their parents um, or check on their parents, um, be with their, you know, be with other family during some of this time. But we don't see that going away either because it's been a real advantage for our colleagues. And to what you were saying earlier, um, under, you know, under continued flexibility continues to drive happiness, um, mm-hmm. you know, beyond, beyond, uh, beyond the happiness that you get out of being successful and work, you know, being right. able to, um, to spend time um, where you want to c- continuing to work um, has also been, uh, it's been real popular. I can only imagine because when yeah. you said that I felt happy for them yeah <laughs> that, they were, that they were able to do that yeah. um so when you um I was thinking in our pre-call that you had also talked about there was a point in time where you surveyed some of your colleagues and employees to get their input so was that before or as you were developing the flexible yeah. human work strategy or yeah. was that after to make sure that things were going as intended? Um, both, um, both and all. So, okay. so as a company, we do, um, we do formally survey our colleagues twice a year. Um, and we did that pre pandemic, of course. Mm. Um, but once the pandemic started, we, we turn our, we partner with a company called Glent, um, for our, for our engagement surveys. And they have a really great, um, a really great, uh, product feature of um, what's called always listening, and you can turn turn this part on and just have it constant constantly on for colleagues, as opposed to like a you know a fifteen question survey that comes out twice a year. You can mm. turn this always listening on. And what we did um, at the beginning of the pandemic was we turned it on several different times and would leave it on for you know for three or four weeks for, and we just asked one question, maybe two questions. The first question mm. I think we asked was what do what do you need well, as a colleague what do you need um and you know we heard everything from um you know i i need to figure out how to how to help how to you know run my household now with kids and with everyone in our household being there 24 you know i need i need a break i need um, I need more time. I need, mm. um, I need more flexibility in terms of when I get work done. I need mental health support. I need, I mean, we, and then, you know, we continued to, we continued to turn this, this feature on like throughout, the, throughout the entire pandemic at different times. Um, and it, you know, it, it morphed in different regions, um, as other things started going on during the pandemic and, you know, our colleagues needed support in different ways. And we were able mm-hmm. to then tailor, tailor 
how we were supporting colleagues to um, to 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 address that. One of the things we implemented um, was um, purchasing um, headspace for all of our colleagues, a mm. um, headspace subscription for all of our colleagues and their families. Um, wow. And I think just listening to the challenges um, and listening to what colleagues were dealing with um, and, and, uh, and decisions they were trying to make and ways they were trying to cope um, helped us to craft the, the best ways to support them. That is amazing. I have not heard of a company doing that yet, nor have I read that. Um, so w- I love I love it when companies keep the pulse with the employees and because they will tell you what they're thinking or what they need. I love that question. What do you need? Um, so I suspect that's a best practice. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to knock, we're going to tag that up as a best practice. Um, something that we're learning from you on this conversation. Um, so when, when they would give suggestions, did you look at maybe, um, the most pronounced suggestions and, then implement those? Like, how did you decide what to implement and what not to? And then did you communicate that back to your employees? Yeah, we did. Um, um, So, you know, we're a company of um, a little over 11,000 colleagues Mm -hmm. worldwide. Um, And we had a task force. We had a global task force and we had regional task force. And we met what felt like (laughs) <laughs> it felt like all the time. I, bet. Um, I, I think bet. it was only weekly, but it felt like, but, but we did, we brought forward all of those, um, all of those asks, all of the, 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 the sentiment uh, from our colleagues mm-hmm. to say, here's what people are feeling. Here's what they're, here's what they're needing. Um, here's what they're saying. Here's what they're not saying, mm-hmm. um, but that we're feeling and and we would talk as a you know as a global group about what we could do and um, what what we could that, that's how Headspace came out because we heard that people were really struggling. Um, mm. We also um, we also you know would bring in um, experts to do um, to do um, Friday afternoon or whatever time we would decide to do it um, to conversations. Um, we increased our communication from leadership um, to the point that our colleagues st- started saying, "Okay, <laughs> we uh, a bit much." We, yeah. So <laughs> you know, at first, at first, there was a lot of you know, we that people were feeling disconnected, and I think one of the yeah. one of the ways we wanted to reconnect with everyone was to have leaders come out and do more town halls and more, mm-hmm. you know, roundtables. Everything was virtual, obviously, um, and. And we did, and our leaders, our leaders were fantastic, and they jumped on the opportunity. And they, you know, we had um, very frequent leader email communication, chat communication, roundtables, town halls, all of those things that we um, were um, were employing uh, to make sure that we were we were not just listening through our always listening survey, but that we were actually engaging. Um, directly with our colleagues and listening in those formats too. Um, and then again, I think we may have over-indexed on that because at some point, I think it was really helping and it you know, was doing what it needed to do for a long time. And then at some point, you know, people were like, okay, we'd like some of this time back um, from, 
from all of the communications. But you know what? I have heard that um, from actually from a lot of my clients oh. is that you know a majority of them are executives and they loved the fact that they kind of were able to set a couple of things aside and just reconnect in a very powerful way with their leaders and with their people. They were conducting skip levels during uh, during this time. And the feedback that they received back was, this is how it should be, right? They got yeah. to reconnect. They got to develop their people. They got to step in and offer solutions where maybe they hadn't in the normal course of business pre-pandemic. And so there was something about reconnection, even in a, you know, flexible work environment that everybody loved. And that really harkens back to collaboration and connection is absolutely necessary. And people look to their leaders for that. Absolutely. And I think, I think one of the things that we all experienced during that time was the convergence of all parts of our lives um, mm -hmm. together. And there was no, I mean, um, you're, you're, you're looking at the background that my, that my team, like, this is all they knew about. I, I didn't meet because I joined on March 20, March 2nd, mm -hmm. 2020. I didn't meet a lot of people in person until well after I was in the company for a year. Now I had met some people before I joined and I still met some at the very beginning, but this and this background was all anyone knew of me uh, for the longest time. And I think, you know, we met people's, we met people's kids, we met their pets, we <laughs> saw their home offices, their kitchens, their, you know, their dining rooms, their whatever, like you did. we, our, we our lives converged in a way that um, that uh, that hadn't really happened before. So that connection that you mentioned became a, a deeper connection for a lot of people who hadn't who who that wasn't their first that wasn't their first instinct. I mean, they yeah. they were really productive and successful at work, but they didn't really they didn't really necessarily combine their personal and professional lives all that much. And none of us really got away from that during this time. Yeah. We all were in each other's space, personal space. We were. And but, so I think connecting was different, but in some ways, um, in some ways, in some ways it was forced. Um, but in other ways, it just opened up this new way to, to connect with people. It did. And I loved seeing how people decorated. And, you know, I remember working with this woman and she was in her bedroom and it's like, you know, the colors that yeah. she had just selected. She's like, I just repainted my whole bedroom. And um, yeah, so it was yeah. fun. It was fun yeah. getting to know people in a very different way. And, and pets, so, pets were like the oh, pets. <laughs> Everybody got to meet Lola. Yeah. Yes. Our little Shipu Lola. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um. Yeah, everybody would apologize if their dog was barking in the background. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, 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 bring him into the this, camera. Yeah, like, yeah. I'd, I'd like to meet them. Right. So cute. So you, you know, there's a lot of business leaders out there, primarily in the C-suite, I suspect, that are really still questioning, even where we are today, that a hybrid work environment is not going to have a detrimental effect on productivity, on culture. 
Culture is the word that I hear more than any other word when associated with hybrid work environments. But you actually were able to track KPIs during this whole scenario, right, that unfolded. So can you tell our Voices of HR audience a little bit about what those metrics were yeah. and what trends did you see during this whole this whole yeah. pandemic and post-pandemic rollout? Absolutely. So so um yes, yeah, so we track a number of different in our in our formal survey twice a year, we track a number of different indices. Um and engagement definitely went up. Um mm-hmm. and and one of the indices that went up a lot was care. And mm-hmm. I think our colleagues recognized the the discretionary effort that Sage was putting forward to make sure everyone was okay and that everyone was productive. And, um, and, and I think Sage has a really strong colleague culture, um, Mm -hmm. to begin with it. Um, it, it was, it was already really strong, but I think the, our, our CEO, um, and the, and the executive team really, shined during this time Mm -hmm. and and by the way not just with our colleagues with our customers too and our Mm -hmm. customers are small and medium businesses and so Mm -hmm. you know we had a real um a real concern for them and desire to help them through this pandemic too um, because Mm -hmm. that was a group that yes some of them thrived um, but many of them did not and many of them needed um, a lot of support, which our CEO, frankly, won an award for in the UK um, and how, uh, how he wow. helped um, customers um, specifically through the pandemic. Um, and so I think our colleagues felt all of that. They felt mm-hmm. um, the, the extra effort um, and and uh, and they also saw what, you know, other companies were having to do and, and, uh, you know, and, and the choices they were making and um, they appreciated the, you know, what, what, um, what Sage was, was doing <laughs> to, to speak to, you know, what, what some leaders are feeling now. I think um, there's a part of it that's, that's related to trust, right? Like there's a part of it that's, you know, like I can't, um, I can't, I won't, I don't trust that productivity is going to be as high if, you know, all of our employees are not coming into the office. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, we, we were able to show that our engagement went up, that our productivity um, maintained and sustained during all of this time. Part of it was that we were all in the same boat. We were all, Mm -hmm. no one had a choice. We had to work remotely. And now that, now that we can start, we can come back into the office. We have come back into the office. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a feeling that we want people to become part of the culture um, or stay part of the culture, continue to build the culture in in a way that continues to be sustainable and Mm -hmm. productive and, um, and, and effective for our for our customers in our communities, and I think there's some leaders who are nervous that you know not having a real connection, um, a tangible connection to the culture to the people keeps people 
um, d- disconnected um, and and easier, frankly, to potentially leave the organization because they don't mm-hmm. have the ties. It's hardest, we all know, it's hardest to leave the people that you work with. Um, oh, absolutely. And if you have never actually, you know, worked with them closely face-to-face in productive environments, I think leaders are nervous that that, that sense of disconnection is easier to, um, is easier to, you know, disconnect. Um, so is, I get that part. Is. I, I do too. And, and yeah. I do believe culture drives and helps organizations thrive. I mean, clearly. And Absolutely. when it comes down to that, it's the people. And I mean, I'm still friends with people from 30 years ago when we were in the trenches and we had two weeks to come up with this innovative product and nobody thought that we could do it. And I think the CEO basically assigned it to us just to see if it could be done. Um, And we did it. And we are still, we still get together today. And those relationships were formed so many years ago, and we still support each other, even though none of us work together in the same company anymore. So there is something about that. And I think another best practice that you just shared with us that, that I need to call out and make a point of is that companies are realizing that you get from people what you give. And when you just said you showed them care during one of the most difficult times of their lives, that is a key driver of loyalty. And loyalty obviously is a subcomponent of engagement. So, I mean, kudos to Sage and to you and your team for doing that. But that that is truly a best practice. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I definitely have to give a lot of credit to our colleagues, too, because I, I know that we've all overused the word resilient um, over the last... <laughs> the last few years, but they definitely were, um, they definitely showed extreme resilience. So, well, I mean, I think your, your KPIs show that if you handle things the right way, if you drive towards a solution, that's going to work for everyone. If you hold people accountable, right? You didn't go full scale and say, we're just going to listen to employees and give them everything that they want, but we're going to try to negotiate something that works for both the employee and the employer while moving the business forward. Because quite honestly, I think the thing that we miss most often during these conversations is this is a business. We have real clients and we have to serve them if we want to stay um, you know, cohesive and as a profitable organization. So you have seemed to tick away um, so many best practices here uh, for our audience. I hope that they captured all of them. I wrote them down um, uh, with your flexible human work strategy. So now we are coming to the end. And at the end, we do something called rapid fire questions. So okay. these are one sentence questions that we ask with one sentence answers so that our audience gets to know you a little bit better. Are you willing to play? Absolutely. All right, let's do this. So how did you wind up in HR? Is it something that you pursued or did you fall into it somehow? I fell into it somehow. Uh, I, I started, uh, my first job out of college was with a nonprofit and, uh, and as many of you who have been with nonprofits know, you pretty much do everything. And I, uh, was one of those people who just did a little bit of everything and um, got um, uh, an opportunity to work in in employee relations and HR and talent acquisition and even payroll and it um, it really just 
sort of um, clicked for me. So it really pulled you in. It did. Yeah. What's your favorite productivity hack for HR professionals? So my favorite productivity hack is um, is using Outlook for um, for all the different advantages that you can do when you use Microsoft Outlook. And I try to schedule focus time. I use Viva for for making sure that I have uh, focus time in there. I create appointments when I get an email that says I have a you know something due. I use Outlook to actually create a task and an, and a deadline. Um, I think that using technology to help organize yourself is uh, one of the things that we can, and I, I shamelessly love what Microsoft is doing to help, um, to help people do that both um, personally and professionally. What are you currently reading or have read recently that you could recommend? Oh, that's a great question. So I'm currently reading Simon Sinek and um, I think I'm trying to remember which one is, um, on my next to read list, but anything that he writes, I am a big fan of and uh, absolutely uh, always learn. I always have um, a list of things that I pull out of his books to, um, to think about in my next, uh, in my next year of, of growing. So what's one of the biggest mistakes that you've encountered throughout your career and what did you learn from it? And it doesn't have to be your mistake. Yeah, I, I think it's um, pretending to know something you don't know or can do something that you can't do without help or, um, or additional learning. I think we all, when we, when we start out, we may have a bit of imposter syndrome. We may, um, we may want to appear that we know everything um, or can do anything. And I think, to me, that leads to sometimes big mistakes and nobody expects you to know everything or be able to do everything. You can ask for help. You can ask for an answer and uh, no one's going to think less of you because of it. No truer words. What do you wish everybody understood about your job? Wow. uh, This is a great question. Um, And I think one of the things that I really wish people understood about HR is that um, people are fantastic and people are also really difficult (laughs) and, um, and it's hard. It's, it's a really hard position to navigate when you, when you need to balance, um, when you need to balance the needs of the business with the needs and the desires of, of employees and colleagues, we're business people and um, we're all here to make sure that the business thrives and our customers Mm -hmm. thrive um, and our colleagues thrive. Um, and it's really, it can be a really tough, um, it can be a really tough um, role um, some days um, to try to balance all of those things and help leaders and colleagues do the same. I bet. All right. This isn't on the script or in any of the questions I asked you okay. before. So this is a little bit of a bonus question. But um, if you if you look back to five years from now, and was most proud of something that you did during this whole process from the day that you started until maybe a couple of years from now, what would that one thing be? I think one of the things that I would feel really proud of is that we, we grow our, our company um, from within and we grow it with colleagues who are proud 
of Sage and proud to grow with Sage, um, proud to grow with our customers and our communities. Uh, I I think if if we can look back in five years, and especially in our region in North America, and say, look at what our colleagues grew um, with Sage here, um, I'd be really proud of that. That's terrific. Where can people go to learn more about you and about Sage? Oh, that's great. Um, so we're Sage. Um, it's sage.com. Uh, we're we're headquartered in uh, in the UK, but our headquarters here in North America is is in Atlanta. And um, please come out to our website. Um, um, you can reach me on LinkedIn at Amy Reeves Cosgrove. And uh, I look forward to talking with everyone. And thank you for the invitation today. Well, we were thrilled to have you here. And there's so many key takeaways, so many best practices for those companies, mid, um, small size companies, even the large companies out there um, that also have tens of thousands of employees to help them work through what their best hybrid work arrangement is going to be. So today we've been joined by Amy Cosgrove, Vice President of People for North America at Sage. Thank you again for joining me, Amy. It's been such a pleasure. My pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already left a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd really appreciate it. If you have any feedback or questions about the show, drop them in the comments wherever you listen or email podcast at hrmorning.com. To find me, go to BertaAldrich.com or send me a message on LinkedIn. We'll be back next week with more Voices of HR.